really feel a stirring in my heart today. Um, first service was really powerful. Um, I want to open up with a verse of scripture this morning out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And this is one of those verses that wind up on, on the dashboard of your car. It winds up on the mirror in your bathroom, maybe even on a fridge. You might even look for a magnet to throw on the icebox. Can you call it an icebox? That's how we used to call it, what we called it growing up. You know you're from the South when you call it the icebox. But this verse of Scripture is so encouraging. And most of the time we read the first part and we stop, we get inspired. And that's about as far as we go. But I want us to go further than just being inspired. Amen. Now, you say amen, but if you go further than the inspiration, it's probably going to cause a little perspiration. And we don't like sweat a lot of times. But I want you to know that God is working on you. And he wants to work in you and he wants to work through you. And when you really start working, you start sweating a little bit. Amen. And we all could use a little kingdom sweat. I promise you. I know a few of you. You need some. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, it says, This is what the scriptures mean when they say, are you ready? Here it is. You love it, man. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Sometimes you read a verse like that, and afterwards it just kind of hits you. It's like, oh. You know what I'm saying? Just read like, oh, yes, I'll take that. No eyes. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm praying for, but God's got something for me because he loves me. Oh, I feel it, you know, and we get excited. And that's about as far as it goes right there. We deal with life. We deal with situations, decisions, all this stuff. We just know God's got something for me. God's got something for me, but we don't know what it is. And most of the time we read the verse and we stop right there, but there's more to it. And I want to keep reading because the next verse, it says this, but it was to us that God revealed these things. It was to us that God revealed these things. And how did he reveal it to us? By his spirit. By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And watch this. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. That is so key right there. We have received God's spirits. We've, we've received his influence. We, we, we've tasted and we have seen how good God is. And it's impacted us. And now we can't eat the other stuff. It just tastes weird. It doesn't taste as good as what God has. And so it's kind of like when you eat a good meal at that one restaurant you eat there. And when you eat that meal anywhere else, it just doesn't compare. Am I right? And so the only place you want to go is there. And so when you taste and see how good God is, you, you just want more of it. You want to get your fill of it. And so God, he fills us with his spirit. But at the same time, there's God's spirit. There's the world's spirit. And sadly, we've become more influenced by the world, by the world's spirit, than we are by God's spirit. And so we try to coexist with a worldly spirit and a godly life. And can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. And we struggle with that because we do want to be relevant. We do want to fit in with this world, but we forget that God called you and I to be the church. And he called us to come out of the world and be different. It didn't say to be weird. Look at your neighbor and say, I got questions about you, though. 
I've got questions about you. He didn't call us to come out and be weird. But he did call us to come out and to be different. You know what amazed me when I did youth ministry? Every kid just talked about being original. I want to be different. I remember back in the 90s, all the kids that wanted to be different, they all started wearing Chucks. All of them. Chuck Taylor Converse shoes, by the way, if you don't know what those are. And they all started wearing They're like, I'm just being original. I'm like, dude, there's like so many other people doing the same. Little punk rock emo people. Like, that's what it was. Kevin was one. Kevin was. The world spirit, though, it presents things to you in a comparison way. Look at what somebody else has. And if you achieve that, you're successful. And we lose our lives, we lose our families, we lose our minds chasing what the world says is success and what is good. See, that's the world's way, but God's way is healthy, it's strong, it's holy. It doesn't put you in the position to sin to achieve it. It puts you in the position of righteousness and godliness and the path that God's marked out to receive it. Amen? Amen? Are you following? And so when we're trying to do it by the world's ways, but yet do it God's way, there's a disconnect in the house divided. It cannot stand. No wonder there's confusion about what we need to do. No wonder there's confusion about what our next step is. No wonder there's so much confusion because we're trying to operate like the world but get everything from God. Am I preaching to anybody today? Okay. So he says, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things, the things that no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has even conceived. In other words, don't try to base what you're going to be off of somebody else because God is good enough to do it original through you. Amen? In other words, God's not trying to produce copycats. He's trying to make original you. Your identity does not have to be found in the things of the world. It can be found in Him. And by the way, it's good enough. It's really good. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time we have gathered together. And I just pray, Lord, that as we share this word this morning, that it is not just inspirational. But, Father, it's something that will change our lives forever. And so, Lord, I pray for open ears, open minds, and open hearts for every person in this room. And, Father, I simply ask you to allow me to just be a vessel. Allow me to be a mouthpiece, Father, that speaks today in such a way that causes people to chase you, that causes people to pursue you with all their hearts. I pray today, Father, this will be life-changing word, life-giving word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there are things that God has for you, that he's planned for you, that he already knows. There are decisions that you're praying about. There are questions that you're asking God about. And we pray and we ask sometimes as if God has no clue. But he already knows. He already knows the answer. He already knows where this thing is headed. He already knows. Amen. And the key is not just for God to know, it's but for you and I to know. But as we're trying to get to know what it is, the way to get to know what it is, is getting to know who He is. That's key. So, because we don't know, we seek Him. And He reveals it to us. How? He reveals these things to us by His Spirit. 
But when we're full of the world spirit and we're influenced by the world, we won't be able to recognize the things of God. Here's why. Because it may ask you to take a step of faith that the world would warn you not to take. Seriously. Like, God will ask you to do things. Like, I remember when the Lord told us to start this church. Great. That is awesome. We knew nobody here. When the Lord said go, we've got to figure out things like income. Am I right? I mean, I don't know in here who doesn't have bills, but we got them. And we got to pay them. And so if we're going to pay them, we need a way to pay them. And by quitting where we were, how are we going to do that where we're at? Beautiful house, man. Really nice house. Sold that thing. Homeless. Mama, can we come live with you? <laughs> All of the questions had no clue what it would mean or what it would look like because it was a step. And I remember people saying, you think this is really a good idea? I remember people when we told them we're going to go buy a house. They said this, listen, the house market is rough right now. Why don't you just rent in case this doesn't work out? What? Okay, you're not in my life anymore giving that kind of input. Seriously, like, come on, God said to do it is confirmed by too many good, godly people. We're moving forward with this. The last thing I need is negative Nancy directing my steps. Amen? It was some steps, and everything the world would say is don't do that. But God was saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. And I remember when we put the house for sale, and they said, this isn't a seller's market. And it sold in 10 days for $100 over the asking price. No realtor involved. You're a real estate agent. No hate. Just we're capable. Though. And we did it. We sold that thing. Equity. Mm. Brought that right on over here. Went house shopping. Found a house. Got a great deal on it where they told us you couldn't. That's what they told us. Spirit of the world said no way. Spirit of God said go. God made it happen. God opened doors, connected us with people. The first person he connected us with here was somebody from our hometown. Been living here for years. We sat in Walmart parking lot, and he told us all about everything we needed to know living here. It was amazing. God was already, he already knew. We just didn't know. But we kept following, and what happened? He just kept revealing it. Today, I want to share something with you that's changed my life years ago. And it's literally like the X factor in my life. This is, this is, and some people would call it like the secret, like the secret sauce. But this has been the X factor in my life for years and years and years. And I believe it is so essential to taking the next step that God has for you in your life. And our word for this year, it just keeps ringing louder and louder. And Cynthia and I, we keep hearing it. It becomes more and more apparent. We're applying it to our family. We're applying it to the church. And it's the word advance. It just keeps coming up. It's just obvious. And when it's obvious, you got to go with it. And so the word advance. And I've really put together a message because I want to I help you guys advance. Anybody want to go somewhere? And so I was like putting together a message last week. Had the whole thing written out. We had handouts ready to go. The presentation on the screen ready to go. All those things. And I'm praying on it, just contemplating because I can't wait to share. It's like the end of the fast. We're going somewhere, baby. And then Friday morning, I'm praying. And I realize there's a lot of people that know the next step, been knowing the next step, and just haven't taken it. 
and to keep talking about what your step is. Where are we going and all that stuff? It's not going to help unless you have someone who can help you take the step that you need to take right now. And today what I want to talk about is not just the advance that we need to make. I want to talk about the advancer. I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit because I believe he is the one that helps us to move forward. Okay? John 14. Now listen, this isn't a traditional message. If you're looking for three points, wrong Sunday. Okay? It's going to be about 30 verses. You got to follow with me. Put your seatbelt on. We're about to roll. Okay? I'm, I'm telling you, first service, we lost half of them. We brought them back at the end and they're just like, what in the world just happened? So, second service, I got a lot more confidence in you. Don't tell them I said that. If you were at first service, glad you're back. John 14, 15, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. I'm, I need, we're going to give you a timeline here, but I need you to follow with me. John 14, 15, Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Okay? Notice it didn't say, if you obey my commandments, I will love you. That's religion. This is a relationship. It's a different foundation. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate. Also, it could be translated another helper, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads. Say leads. This is important. He leads into all truth. And the world cannot receive it. Let me stop right there. God will tell you to take that step, and don't you know the enemy will come and lie to you and tell you you can't? And the Holy Spirit just wants to lead you right into the truth of what God says. But the enemy keeps lying. Telling you can't do that. Your, your business ain't going to make it. You know, the, you know the economy. You know the market. You know people that try to do this. There's only a 15% success rate. That's the lie. And God's like, you can do this. Which truth are you going to follow? The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The truth of what God says. Amen. So watch this. The world cannot receive him. Remember a few minutes ago, we are talking about the spirit of this world. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. The world isn't looking for the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit shows up right there like, hey, and they're like, who that? They don't recognize the potential of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and what it could do and where it could take you. Amen? doesn't understand that because it's in it's all in this mode it's comparing one to another and it's always dog eat dog take advantage of this one move ahead advance have more be better just take over the world like that's the kind of mindset where God's like look that ain't how we working we're not comparing we're not trying to turn you into somebody we're just trying to help you look like Jesus and all the plans he's got for you amen so it says, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. But you know him. Watch this. And this is so key. Because he lives with you now. Now he's talking to his disciples who have been following him. You, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's with you now, but later he will be in you. But when the Father, and we're going to skip down verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate, the helper, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. There are things that you don't know about being a parent. He will teach you. You say, well, I didn't have a good example of family. My family put the fun in dysfunction. 
He can teach you. Listen, he can teach you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He will teach you everything. And watch this. And he will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, which are just Christ followers. Don't turn them into a hierarchy. They're Christ followers. And he's letting them know, this Holy Spirit, my spirit, is going to teach you everything. I taught you a lot, and you hadn't processed it all. But the Holy Spirit's going to help you to figure it all out. And a lot of the stuff that I said, you'll be in situations, and you may not remember them, but the Holy Spirit, he's going to remind you. It's pretty good. So let me back up for you, because I, I really want to make sure we set the course for this, or else it might not work, work, work well for you, okay? The first part where it says, you love me, obey my commandments. Another version said it this way, loving me empowers you to obey my commandments. Loving me, loving Jesus, empowers you. Proof of desire is found in pursuit. When you're pursuing him. Falling in love with him, worshiping, seeking him. It's going to empower you to obey him. That's why devotional time is so important. That's why time with worship is so important. That's why coming together as the church is so important. Why? Because we're seeking him together. And as we're seeking him, it's motivating us. It's empowering us to obey him. You're sitting there and we're worshiping. We're praying and everything. And God's like, hey, you remember that step I asked you to take to go forgive that person? Jesus, I'm trying to worship you right now. Could you give me a moment? <laughs> Hold up, bud. No, no. They're sitting right over on the other side of the church. I know, Jesus. That's why I sit on this side, so I can focus on you. <laughs> he said, you remember? I told you a year ago to make that right. Oh, Jesus, you ain't going to leave me alone, are you? Today's the day, bud. Let's do it. Come on, huh? if we're going to be real. See, some of y'all thought we were going to shake and bake talking about the Holy Spirit. That's shake and bake right there. He will shake you up, get you right. Come on. So watch this. Talks about the Holy Spirit leading. He shows us the way. He lives with you now and later will be in you. Let me start breaking it down. Disciples are following Jesus every day. Okay. These guys, they left everything to follow Jesus. So they're roaming this whole country, telling people, good news. Jesus is preaching. They're helping him. Miracles are happening. They're setting it all up. They're just in this ministry thing, running with Jesus. A lot of people's lives are impacted. He was with them. When Jesus was born, he would be described as Emmanuel, God, with us. You catching this so far? Okay. He was with them, and they were there with him. They had the miracle-working power of God walking with them everywhere they went. No matter where it was, here's the miraculous power of God in, in Jesus, who is God in the flesh, walking with them everywhere they go. They had the wisdom and the counsel of God walking with them every single day everywhere they went. They had someone walking with them, leading them, and directing their steps every single day. They had Jesus who was leading them. He was with them. They were with him. 
But Jesus knows that he's going to the cross because this was his purpose for coming. Before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. God already knew man would have a sin problem, so he figured out a remedy that we're going to forgive their sins. How? We've got to, we, the wages of sin is death. Something precious and pure has to give its life to compensate for all of the death that comes as a result of people's sins. So God said, the only way I can do this is to send a person. Before, it was animals. But the animals was just holding it in the meantime to where the person. Are you following me? The person. And God said, I can't find anyone worthy enough to, take, to be the sacrifice. And so I myself must step down from heaven and be the sacrifice for them. That's incredible love. So what does he do? He, gives, he sends his spirit to impregnate a young virgin girl, and now Jesus is born, and it's God in the flesh on this earth. So now he's starting this ministry up, and he's working towards one thing, dying on the cross for our sins. So he's walking with them every day, and as he's walking with them, he's teaching them, and he is letting them know, I am going to die. And not just when I get old. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. They're going to crucify me. They're going to bury me. Three days later, I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm telling you this is going to happen. I'm letting you know ahead of time so you don't freak out. Guess what happened? They freaked out. And he's like, I told you. I bet Jesus is like on the cross. They're all freaking out. He, he thought about it. I told you. I told you. Kind of like a parent. We're going to this party, and if you act like that, you will never see a phone again. Ever. And then it happens, and you leave, and you're in the car. I told you. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I told you. This is Jesus. I told you this was going to happen. He tells them ahead of time. I'm going to die. I'm going, to be res I'm going to be buried three days later. I'm going to be resurrected. And not long after that, I'm going to ascend into heaven. This is what's going to happen. Okay. They didn't get it. So now it's happening. Now he's going to leave them. But he says, I'm always going to be with you. But he says, but I'm leaving. But I'm always going to be with you. But he's leaving. Reminds me when I was a kid, my parents said, even when we're gone, we're still here. And we know what you're up to. Like, this is before camera technology, and we were not wealthy enough to have that at our house, even if it was around. And they would come home, we're like, we know what y'all been up to. We could tell something's been going on here. Like, no, we were good kids. We read our Bibles the whole time. <laughs> My parents were at a revival meeting one night. True story. There were these kids that wouldn't leave. My brother put out a pellet gun. Now, even though the cops said that we shot at them, real evidence said we shot in the air. Well, anyway, they called the cops. Cops showed up at my house. My parents, this is before cell phones, by the way. My parents are like 45 minutes away in a revival meeting, hot revival too. You know what I mean? A lot of music, dancing, handkerchief. Some of y'all don't even know. Don't judge me, okay? Somebody, we were calling the church phone at this church where they were at, and somebody happened to pass by the office and hear it ringing. They got my parents out of the church service. They came home. My dad came home to a sheriff's deputy in our driveway. 
And when he got out the car and came in the house, he was silent. It was never good when dad was silent. We explained to him what happened, and you know what he said? I told you. I better not have to come home from something like this, and here I am. I felt I think that's how Jesus was. It was like even though he was gone, he was there. And Jesus is telling him, listen, I'm leaving, but I ain't going to be gone. But I'm leaving. But I'm still going to be here. And how is that possible? So he tells him, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave my spirit here. But my body is going to ascend into heaven, but my spirit's going to stay here. See, like for you and I, when we die, our bodies go in the ground here, and our spirits go up there to heaven. Are you following me? It was like Jesus like, God, we're going to flip this thing. My spirit's staying here, but my body's going to go up there. Are y'all tracking with this? And his spirit is looking for a place to live and dwell. He's looking, like it's looking for a body, physical body, to dwell in. And so, believe it or not, you and I are the body that he wants to live and dwell in. We are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19, haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that he lives where? Within you. Not just with you, but where? Within. Back in the day it was with, but now Jesus, he said, look, I'm leaving, but I ain't going. I'm leaving, but I ain't going. How do you do that, Jesus? Because I want to live within you. By my spirit. We are the temple, the home of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so today we sing this song, Another in the Fire. And this is a story about three Hebrew men that were thrown into a fiery furnace because they would not bow down to an idol. They would not bow down to the spirit of the world. Are you following me? Because they were committed to God. And because of that, even though they were thrown into the fiery furnace as punishment, they never got burnt. In fact, the king said, I thought we threw three of them in there. I see a fourth one in there who is likened unto the Son of God. He was with them in the fire. Now that's Old Testament. So fast forward to New Testament. Jesus said, I'm leaving. Wait up, Jesus. I'm in the fire. You can't leave me now. I'm not leaving you. But I need you to be here with me. And Jesus is like, I can be in you. I want to be in you. Put my spirit in you. So watch this. God saves us from the fire of hell when we choose to follow Jesus. When we commit our lives to him, and hell is a real place, when we commit to following him, he saves us from the fire of hell. But listen, you don't die right there. Like imagine, Lord, give me my life. Thank you, I'm not going to hell. What now? What do I do between now and the time that I die? How, how do I live? Because now am I going to live just so that I don't go to hell? Or am I going to live like I'm going to heaven? That's how I want to live. And so how am I going to do that? So he saves us from the fire, but he wants to put his fire in us. Amen? He wants to put his fire, the spirit, the passion, the drive, the motivation in us. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. So watch this. If you remember John the Baptist, beginning of the New Testament, he's baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins. But he keeps telling them that there's one coming 
after me. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Jesus. You're going to follow him. I'm baptizing you, pointing you in his direction. You will follow him. And watch this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's letting you know. I mean, it's all in the Bible. And so he tells us Jesus is coming. And he's, yeah, he's going to save you from your sins, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So I felt like I needed to tell you some things about the Holy Spirit today. Because I think when you begin to hear it, you start saying, that's what I need. Like if I'm going to advance and move forward with these steps, this is exactly what I need. So watch this. Holy Spirit gives us boldness and strength from within. The Holy Spirit is the inward moral compass that helps us discern right from wrong. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He gives us the discernment to know what is right and what is wrong. There are a lot of people say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But that don't mean that it's right. Let's go back. Y'all didn't like that one. Here's another thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's a navigator who charts the course for us to become all that God wants us to be. He's not the navigation system. And we treat him like the navigation system in our car. I'll just punch him where I want to go, and he's just going to take me there. He's like, no, you go that way, you get lost. You're missing the destination. He is the navigator that helps you get, helps you be, helps you live the life that God has for you. Amen? Holy Spirit is the counselor. He is the counselor that brings understanding and wisdom to our decisions. He's the counselor. Within, a lot of people are paying a lot of money for counseling without. But what if you had a counselor within that helped you to find some peace from him, from God, rather than trying to find peace and resolve with some hard-headed people in your life? Keep going to counseling, by the way. Holy Spirit is the motivator and the initiator of next steps. He will motivate you to take that step. He will initiate it. He will do it. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, John 14 precedes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Jesus was telling his disciples all that. If you love me, keep my commandments, you send the Holy Spirit. Fast forward to John chapter 20. He appears to the disciples after the resurrection. So he told them, if you love me, follow my commandments. Got the Holy Spirit coming. He's going to be your helper. He's with you. He's going to be in you. Fast forward, John 20. He's already died, okay? Now he's resurrected. He appears to his disciples, okay? You got to follow this. After the resurrection, several times over a period of 40 days. This is where the story of doubting Thomas takes place. Remember the disciple Thomas that said, I won't believe it really happened unless I see him. Boom, Jesus shows up. I'm here. Let me see your hand, Thomas. Put it in my side. I got stabbed right there. Dude stabbed me. It was powerful. Okay, like put your hand in my finger, put your fingers in my hands. It's for real. Tom's like, oh, I do believe. I do believe. Okay, this is where that story happens. This is after the resurrection. He also takes the opportunity to teach them some more about the kingdom of God. He's letting them know, hey, guys, listen, you're freaking out because I told you, I told you. And now you're freaking out about it, but this is what's going down. And now I'm handing this thing over to y'all. You got this tells them to wait in Jerusalem to receive the promised Holy Spirit. So watch this in John 20. He speaks this to them, 
And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. Last three weeks, we've been talking about Jesus spitting on people. And now this week, we're talking about Jesus breathing on people. Anybody got concerns? Spit on a man and healed him, and now he's breathing on him to receive it. Now, the reason he's breathing on them, you got to go back to Genesis. Come on, are you tracking with me today? How many of y'all feel like we're going really fast on this bike? Hang on. Because in Genesis, when God was created man, he created him from the dust of the earth. Now, dust is something we're trying to get out of our homes, right? And God's like, I'll take that useless nothing and breathe life into it and make a man. And so he breathes into this dust that he formed as a man. And when he breathed into it, it came alive. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. It's what makes things come alive. And so Jesus breathing on them is the same exact picture all the way back in Genesis when he breathes into the dust and it comes alive and becomes a man. Now New Testament, he's breathing on his disciples and he's taking these guys who were followers of Jesus and now they're becoming leaders for Jesus. Another step. They're advancing. They're growing. They're maturing. Y'all got it? Days later, at the time he's ascending into heaven. 40 days after the crucifixion, he tells him this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, the promise is coming. He breathed on them, but they haven't received him yet. you got to grab this, okay? He said, it's coming, and when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to motivate you to talk about me. It's going to motivate you to, t- to tell people the goodness of God. The things that you've experienced, you're going to want to tell them. The things that God's done in your life, you're going to want to tell them. This is one of the most important parts of the Holy Spirit that you and I have to recognize. See, he's not just your big couch that you lay on as a comforter. He's a commissioner. Amen? First service didn't get that, by the way. You get it. He's a commissioner. So, disciples and other followers of Jesus, about 120, They go to this meeting place, and they waited. It's called the upper room. Ten days later, okay, we're at this point now. We're 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus. By the way, the crucifixion of Jesus happens on Passover. Passover takes us all the way back to the Old Testament where Moses is trying to deliver the children of of Israel out of Egypt. They were in slavery, and God's trying to get a little leverage on Pharaoh, so he sends plagues. One of the plagues he sends is a death angel, okay? And God tells all the people, listen, if you, want to, if you want to avoid the death angel, kill a spotless lamb and take the blood of the lamb and just spread it on the doorpost of your home. And because of that, the death angel passed over. Fast forward to the New Testament. There is a death angel in this world. His name is Satan. He's trying to take people out. And so Jesus says, listen, I am the door. And so I will put my blood on the door for you. And that is the cross so that you and I can be free. And now because of that, we are promised eternal life with him. Amen. I feel like I'm teaching a class right now, but I hope you're getting something out of this. So we see this happen. All of that, that was Passover. Jesus is crucified on Pas- Passover. Fast forward 50 days later, it's the day of Pentecost. Penta means 50 cost. Pentecost is the day, it's 50 days of feast. Feast. Feast somebody. Y'all looking at me like you don't want to eat. It's a feast. 
It's like he died, but it's like God already knew. Look, we need to schedule a party. Well, but he's going to die. But you don't understand. In his death, we're about to see the greatest victory ever. And so go ahead and plan the party for 50 days later. So on this day, 50 days later, by the way, they've been waiting in this room for 10 days. Kind of reminds me of this fast. 10 days of intentionally seeking God, waiting on God to come and do something in their lives. They're waiting for 10 days. On that 10th day, the day of Pentecost, after waiting, the promise has arrived. The feast has begun. It was the feast after the fast. The feast after the fast. And so now they're set on fire by the Holy Spirit. And this literally changed the lives of all of these followers of Jesus that day whenever they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they have this new boldness and confidence in their faith. They have this new vision to see the way God sees. They see possibilities even though there are problems. They have an inner strength within that's motivating them to keep going. They have a new approach to everyday life because now they're full of purpose. Watch this. They have a new way of speaking. And yes, they did speak in tongues. Yes, they did prophesy. And if that wigs you out, I don't know how to take those verses out of the Bible. They're in there, okay? And I'm not trying to promote weirdness, but I'm telling you, the way they talk changed. And you want to know if somebody's changed? Listen to the way they talk. When they're talking changes, you know they've changed. Have a kid who talks so sweet and they hang around the wrong people and they begin to use words that you won't approve of. You're going to change their life, I hope, or they're going to change yours. The Holy Spirit changes the way that we speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. They spoke what God was saying into all they were seeing and feeling. They were praying with a new confidence, praying with a new boldness. They were referring to what Jesus told them as the basis of their prayers. Like there was this... Something was happening, and the Holy Spirit turned these followers of Jesus into leaders for Jesus. And Peter, the main disciple, watch this, he tells everyone in Acts 2, this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, this is God's promise, it's for you, it's for your sons, it's for your daughters. You know what he was saying there? It's for your family. I've got a family promise for you, and it is my spirit. It's for your servants. It's for the people that work for you. It's for the people that you work with. It's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to tell them, I'm giving this to you. He's the advancer. I'm giving him to you. This prompts the birth of the church. And that day, 3,000 people are saved. And this move of God began. See, the church didn't begin as a meeting. It began as a movement. And the movement still goes on today. And when we come together in the meeting, all we're doing is celebrating the movement. Amen. Church is more than a meeting, but we got to stick with the meetings because Paul tells us down in Hebrews, don't forsake assembling together. In other words, keep meeting, but understand that the whole point ain't the meeting. It's the movement. Amen. It's the move of God. So fast forward now to Acts 19. I'm telling you, this is like a crash course on the Holy Spirit today. Fast forward to Acts 19. Paul has now joined the team. Paul was the guy who was killing Christians. He has an encounter with God. He's saved. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he's helping other people get saved. That's the power of God. So Paul, he's joined the team. He's going all over telling people about Jesus. And so now we see in Acts chapter 19. This is years later after Acts chapter 2. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe he encountered some people? 
They're believers. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? He asked them. No, they replied. We don't know what you mean. What is the Holy Spirit? They had no clue. And I have a suspicion that that's how a lot of people in the church live. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is. It's like, oh, he's the comforter, but it's the comforter that you take off the bed and you never use because it's pretty. That's how people see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a comforter. He's an empowerer. He is the advancer. And so, let's keep reading. Then what beliefs did you acknowledge at your baptism? He asked. And they replied, what John the Baptist taught. Like they were devout to what they were taught. And then Paul pointed out to them that John's baptism was to demonstrate a desire to turn from sin to God. And that those receiving his baptism must then go on to believe in Jesus. Okay. In other words, he's saying, look, you've got to turn from your sins. But it ain't just about being sorry for the sins you committed. It's about committing to following Jesus. This is what he's trying to show them. Okay. But then he goes on to say the one John said would come later. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands upon their heads, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other languages and prophesied. What is he telling them? He's saying, listen, I'm glad that you got baptized. And by the way, Jesus got baptized. You knew that, huh? Jesus himself got baptized. You imagine showing up. John's baptizing people, and he's telling people, this one's coming after me. He's going to be the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And then Jesus fills out a connection card at that service and signs up to get baptized on February the 23rd. And so they go ahead and let him know to bring the change of clothes and the towel. And so he shows up that day, and John didn't realize. The staff didn't tell him that Jesus was getting baptized that day. And so now Jesus has shown up on February 23rd to get baptized. A little commercial if you haven't been baptized yet. So Jesus shows up and he's like, he's here. And everybody's like, wait, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He's the one. He's the one I've been talking about. And he's the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. And oh, by the way, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to do that. And a lot of people are like, Jesus, yay. And Jesus is like, yeah, me, Holy Spirit too. They were following what they were taught, but they were unaware of their need of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Anybody learn anything today? They were following Jesus, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So what happened? Paul lays his hand on them, which is symbolizing a transfer. It's nothing weird. He's just touching them, and it's literally like a transfer from one person to another. Just like when Jesus breathed on his disciples. That's all it was. He touches them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is they have the same experience these guys back in Acts chapter 2 have. Same thing happens to them. It changes their life. And I've been in church a long time. Listen, I've been in the Hoopla church, okay? I've been in the charismatic church, and I know all that stuff, man. And I've seen a lot of people manifest but never change. Okay? I've seen a lot of that stuff. And sometimes we discount the Holy Spirit because of what a few people did or because of something we heard or saw on TV. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit is real and should be a part of our everyday life and part of our everyday decision making. And you and I, the key to us advancing, the key to us stepping into all that God has for us is the Holy Spirit. And today my prayer is simply this, is that you would open your heart and say, God, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm not I'm not trying to spark a debate. Oh, I thought you were filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. Listen, there's a lot of theological debate there. Bottom line is this, 
are we living by the Spirit? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, to motivate us, to counsel us, to be the navigator for our lives? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to be that? And so this is simply what I do. I'm, and I'm sharing this with you because this is the life that I've lived. I just pray this prayer every morning. Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. Because I know my tendencies. I know my temper. I know me. And I cannot be that. Because it don't turn out good. But I know your spirit. And I need your Holy Spirit to come and fill me. I need you to direct me today. Every day I pray that prayer. And I'm thankful that God's presence is so real in my life each and every day. That's why I call it, this is the X factor. This is the secret sauce that so many people are looking for. This is what, I'm telling you, people are reading self-help books trying to find this out right here today. Those books are great, but I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit is greater. And for you to live the life, to receive, to walk in the promises, to, to, to experience all that God has for you, it does you no good to get a bunch of directions if you don't have a way to get there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will help you get there. He is the one. And my prayer today, I'm telling you, I just feel, I really felt like the Lord was saying, go this direction today. My prayer today is that we will open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit fill us and really, really be the one that leads our life forward. I believe if we allow this, some of you that's been sitting in fear for years, are going to finally step into some things that God's been telling you for a long time. And people are going to wonder, how did you do it? And you're going to say, it wasn't me. It was the power of God, the Holy Spirit within me that motivated me, that initiated me, and helped me to take steps. How did you become a good parent? I don't know. I didn't come from a good home. I never saw a good role model as a father, but the Holy Spirit helped me to be the man that I am today. Amen. Are you, are you hearing this today? The Holy Spirit is the one. He is the advancer. And I want all across this room, you